You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm writer, filmmaker, and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're helping you navigate book release day, and we talk about reading in Mississippi from author Nick White. But first... What are you reading, Bria? (gasps) I am reading uh, Lincoln and the Bardell, which I've been (gasps) waiting to read. By George Saunders! Oh, yeah. I've been on the waiting list at the library for this for a really long time. Because it, it was a big came. release when it came out a few weeks ago yeah. a, or a month ago. Oh, I think it was longer than that. I feel like it came out. I have no concept of time or space. So. No, it came out in February. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So I've had friends that read it and really liked it and offered to give me the book, but I just, I was already on the waiting list. So I literally think I was like one of like 80, 90 people on this waiting How list. How many people did you have to kill to get this book? I, I, so many. I found all their addresses. I went to their homes. Um, anyway, like, listen, get off that waiting list. It's, it's really great. It has, it uses real story, like real actual news stories, fake news stories, and then just a bunch of ghosts. And well, it's things. all about Lincoln's son who died. Lincoln's son who died. And then there's this whole story where I guess that inspired the author, George Sander- Saunders. Saunders? Saunders. Um, who, uh, when Lincoln's son died, he went to the grave and, like, cradled his son. It was this, like, really emotional thing. And Lincoln, it was actually, it was really hard on him. And also, like, there was a war going on the whole time. So it was, like, a very difficult time in Lincoln's life. But the whole thing, it's kind of from the point of view of these ghosts that are in the, I guess you don't call them ghosts. The Bardo is the in-between life before, after you die, but before you move on. So it's like purgatory. It is, but... Sp- I don't know a lot about afterlife things. Remember, I've never been to church. <laughs> I'm just bandying these terms around. Basically, it's a cemetery come to life. That's what it is. So it's like Graveyard Book by Neil Gaiman. It is a little bit, but actually. But sadder. And it's, and it's written almost like a play. So oh, it's a very easy read for people if you're interested in it. I mean, it's it's like, it's when you get into it, it's a little bit like, what is going on? But it's written in this really interesting way. Oh, I'm going to read that. What are you reading? I'm reading Lives of the Monster Dogs by oh, Kirsten Backus. That's on my list. You can borrow it. Oh, my gosh. It's really good. And what's really interesting that I'm reading it now is I've had a copy of it for a while, but it just now is the 20 year anniversary of it and it's weird because it's it was written in 1997 but it's as if it was happening the author was writing it in 2017 which is the year it is right now so it's kind of weird so uh, is it a re-release uh the, the the copy that i have is an original one oh. uh, but they just did re-release it with a new cover and everything uh, but it's basically about this mad scientist creates this race of dogs that walk on two legs but they and they can talk and they have human hands and they eventually overthrow him and they're in the canadian wilderness in this like weird compound they overthrow the mad scientist not this is not spoilers and uh go to new york city because it's really the only city that they've ever heard of and they get they go there and they become celebrities and they have tons of money and they're super rich and it's about them like trying to figure out their place in society now that they're they're the guy who created them is gone or do they have any purpose what is their like what is their life supposed to be and it's um it sounds really weird and it is really weird but it's amazing um it sounds oh it sounds like the perfect book for me I, it sounds it's, it's very uh, Bria Alley I love and it's weird it's sci-fi sounds... a little bit sci-fi dog talk, talking cute dogs I just love dogs they, wearing clothes that if dogs they're like the one place we want to go New York City, City. <laughs> it's like James and the Giant Peach they're yeah, all I just think of them like the small town girl gonna get they're gonna go make it big in the they big have their City. little suitcases they're hopping on the train they're ready to go so do you got any bookish news stories for us this week? I do. There is a bookish news story in, um, it was 
on aljazeera.com. It's about, um, the title is Bogota's Bibliophile Trash Collector Who Rescues Books. This guy's my future husband. He's amazing. So basically- We love this man. He uh, is a trash collector. He And he kept finding books that were in great condition. And um, and he start and he started collecting them, and he made them into a library that anyone could in use. his home. Yeah, and there's really great photos of this. We, we should put a link to this in the show notes. There's a great photo of him in this home where he has twenty five thousand books in the downstairs area of his family's house. I mean, it would be it would be perfect for me to marry this guy because that's sort of what my apartment looks like. <laughs> <laughs> we're 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 a match made in heaven. <laughs> and and he basically made it so that um he said he grew up here. It was very impoverished. Kids don't have a place to study. Um they start working really early, but he thinks that you should get an ev- education to get out of the cycle of poverty. So he made it so that people could come in and take these books, especially kids in the neighborhood. This is amazing. This yeah. guy rocks. It's Really, this guy's like basically a superhero, like trash collector by day, bookman by night. Oh, and also, uh, there was a donation of an ambulance to him, and he turned it into a mobile library. It was a, <gasps> not a donation like you need an ambulance. It was a donation like you should turn this into a mobile library. So now he has this uh, mobile library that he takes around and uh, lets people. I know what we should do when we retire: <laughs> uh, an ambulance that's turned into a mobile library. Hell yeah! <laughs> Amazing. So before we talk about tempering the excitement of looking through new release shelves at bookstores on new release day, we're going to take a quick break. Hi, this is Griffin McElroy. Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. And we're the hosts of Rose Buddies. It's a podcast about the Bachelor family of products. We watch The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, and Bachelor in Paradise. Yes, it is garbage television, but we're the king and queen of this garbage pile. We're the raccoons in charge around here. So join us on Tuesdays. Because the TV show's on Mondays. And basically, we'll recap what we saw, and we'll just sort of scoop the garbage around us and make a little fort out of it. No viewing required. But it's it's a good TV show. What are you doing? <laughs> so this week, we're talking about new releases. New releases are very exciting, but how do you navigate the new release shelves at the bookstore? There's so many choices, so many new authors, but they're kind of expensive. Yeah. New, a new book can be anywhere between like 30 and almost $40. Mm-hmm. I bought a new uh, hardcover a few months ago that was like $35.99. Yeah, exactly. If you have a hard, buy a new hardcover from an author you've never read before, but it's just being talked about a lot, that's a big expense. Yeah, and what if oh, I've done that and not liked the book and oh, it's no. just like crushing? So how do, how do you navigate all of this? Should, like when, do you, when should you splurge for a new hardcover? When should you take a chance? But before, before we get into that, I've got a little interesting trivia for you, Bria. Oh, so, yeah. Great. So Tuesday is new book release day in publishing. Some people some people don't know that, but here, you know, if you've ever wondered what day of the week new books come out, it's every Tuesday. And do you know why? No. N- neither Tell does me. anybody else. Oh. <laughs> That's what I find, I find so interesting. So many people in publishing have been asked this question, and nobody really knows. I the mystery and searched, of Tuesday. Mystery magical Tuesdays. Nobody can figure it out. I did so much research. Everyone has some theories. Some people think that, you know, if a book comes out on a Tuesday and it sells well, there's still more time to order it before the weekend. Mm. Some people, you know, thought it was just a randomly chosen day so readers know when to look for new releases. Some people think it has something to do with sales tracking and tracking for the bestseller list. But nobody really knows and no one can give you 
you a straight answer. It's kind of like podcasts. I feel like a lot of podcasts come out on Tuesdays. Yeah, what's going on on Tuesdays, I guys? I think that it's because you don't want to release one on a Monday because it's like people are still getting getting back into the swing of things when they're weekends. And so it's like, it's Tuesday. So I, when I open up my podcast app on Tuesdays, it is a mess. It's always <laughs> like I have like 30 podcasts downloading. And if you're on a Tuesday, you get I, I will delete a lot of podcasts just to make room for other ones that come later wow. in the week. Interesting. Um, I have a fact for you, Mallory. Ooh. Oh, yes. Okay, tell me. Here's my fact. Do you want to know what the, the fastest selling book in history was? Can I guess? Yes. Give me three guesses. Okay. Da Vinci Code. No. Do you think that was so popular right when it came out? Oh, maybe not. Okay, but that was your first guess. That was my first guess. Yeah. Right when it came out. Right when it came out. The day it came out sold the most. Oh, Harry. it's going to be one of the Harry Potter books. <laughs> it has to be, right? <laughs> yeah. But book seven? Um, that's right. Wow, that's really impressive. <laughs> that's the first time I've actually gotten any anything right that you've asked me. <laughs> Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, the seventh and final novel in the J.K. Rowling Harry Potter series, sold 8.3 million copies Damn. in the first 24 hours, Damn. which is 345,833 books per hour. That's amazing. On, um... Go JK. So, Mallory, give me your tips for new release day. How do you navigate it? Let's say I'm going in because I'm thinking about getting a new release. I know some things I might be interested in that are coming out. Give me some tips. I like to go into the bookstore informed. You know, I this is this is really, really when getting involved in the bookish community online comes in super handy. You know, I listen to bookish podcasts. I, I, I have a bunch of book websites that I really like. I love Book Riot, uh, Lit Hub, NPR Books are great. I have book blogger friends that have very, very similar taste to mine. My friend Liberty Hardy uh, is a, an amazing book blogger. She's an amazing person on the bookish internet, but we have very, very similar taste in books. So if Liberty is liked a book, I know that I'm probably Probably going she also to has like a podcast. It. Yes, she has, yeah. and she just got a new podcast too. Oh. Liberty is one of the co-hosts of all the books with Re- Rebecca Shinsky, who are both amazing, and they uh, have a, a podcast that comes out every Tuesday that talks about new releases. So I always listen to that That's every so Tuesday. So timely! I didn't even realize it yeah. is why it, it comes onto my phone that on Tuesdays. They, yes, I don't delete that one. No, that one never gets so deleted. good. And she also has a new one that's going to be talking about. That's going to be in the all the book stream. That's talking about backlist. Oh, cool! Uh, but so you know, with all of this stuff, I'm pretty informed as to. What the buzzy books that are coming out? I'm already have probably by this point, after all the reason reading and listening, have found a book that I you know I know if there's an author that I like that has a book coming out that day. I if there's a book that I of an author that I haven't heard of but sounds really interesting because I've I've heard of it you know through one of these ways. I'm I'm informed about it. So okay. when I go into the bookstore, I, I I'm you know I'm prepared. Okay. So first tip is be prepared. Basically, you're telling people they should. Pay attention to be a Boy Scout. Be prepared. Yeah, isn't that the Boy Scout? Be prepared. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) All I can think of is that song from The Lion King. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Getting a little weird with that. Uh, Uh, So your first tip is you know pre pre informed. Know what you want before you go in. Don't go in and then get you know shiny eyes. So you're like, there's so many books. I'm going to buy 15 hardback books, and guess that was my rent this month. Yep. Uh, I've I've been I've been there. So, what's our second tip? Um, a second tip um, is based on when you want to read it. Yeah, this is super important, and especially as pertaining to all the money that you're going to be spending. <laughs> yeah, because we definitely want to support authors. We want to be supporting new authors, and it's easy to get caught up and say, like, I'm going to support all of these authors, but you have to, you know, you have to, you have to kill your darling sometimes. If you yeah. have a stack of 15 books, you have to look at them, and the best way to decide is when are you actually going to read this book? Exactly. So if you're getting a hardcover, if you're going to shell out, you're going to spend the 30 
uh, you know, $25, $20 on a hardcover, are you going to be reading it right away? Because I have very often, or I used to before I got, you know, a little bit more disciplined, I'll, I'll spend uh, some money on a hardcover and then I won't read it for a year. And then by that time, it's already out in paperback and oh, it's half yeah. the price. What is the what is the hardback to pay? This is something I should know, but I don't know. The hardback to paperback uh, time period. It's just different for every it, book. It, it's different for every book. It depends on the success of the hardcover. Um, there are some books, like The Da Vinci Code took forever to come out in paperback. And same thing with all the Harry Potter books, because if they're selling well in hardcover, there's no incentive for the publisher to put it out in paperback. Totally makes sense. All right, what is, what is our third tip for uh, navigating new book releases? What I found is a really, really good idea. So if you have gone and shelled out for that, that hardcover, you spent a lot of money, maybe balance it out with putting the rest of the new releases that you want on hold at the library, either in e-form or in physical form. It's a great way to keep your budget balanced and also take advantage of your of your library. So, Bria, what are you what, what what's your process for putting deciding what to put on hold at the library that for new releases? Um, you know, because I generally e-read, I put e like I put e-books on hold most of the time, but you can go online at most libraries. I would assume you can definitely do it at the Los Angeles Public Library, but you can go online and reserve books that are not e-books. You can just go pick them up later, and I've done that many a time and gone to pick them up at my local Silver Lake Library, and they're just waiting there for me behind the counter, and they send you a little email when it's time to come get them. So you may not get Harry Potter the week it comes out. You may get it six weeks, two months, three months later, but it will arrive to you at some point. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention that I and do... I didn't know this. This is amazing. So I have a little I have a little trick tip for library new releases. Um, I listen to book podcasts and I know when things are going to come out in the next couple of weeks or I try to keep up with things that are going to be coming out soon. And I will go to the library and they won't be there yet. Uh, so I'll search for them and the book won't actually be searchable or you, I won't be able to put it on hold yet. So what I so but you can recommend it to the library to purchase. That's awesome. So I will do that. I will recommend it to purchase and then you automatically get put on the waiting list and that means if you're one of the first people to recommend this book, you get put really high on the waiting list. So I will get an That's email that awesome. says I, and um I think there is a rule my librarian friend who we have have on the show sometimes. Um he told me that if if you recommend a book to your library, they have to buy it and I don't know if that's true for all libraries, but it has been the case with every book I've ever recommended to the Los Angeles Public Library eventually arrives at some point. Now, sometimes it takes a month or two, but if it's a new release and one that people are kind of getting excited about, recommend that book. You'll get on the waiting list early. You just have to tell them you want to be on the waiting list when you select, go through that selection process. And that's a great way to support authors because then that book is in the library for not not forever, but that book is definitely going to be in the library for a while. So other and people, as long as we're alive, I don't mean like. I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, unless you know it get, gets pulled or like I some some, right, some right. library someone, disaster. Someone reads with it in the bathtub. And also, you can pre-order books at um at your local bookstore too. If you're, I am very paranoid about new releases. There are some every there's about a handful of books every year that are coming out, and I get super excited about them, and I get very terrified that they're going to sell out because I'm very paranoid and obsessed with this kind of stuff. I do that. There's certain authors like I'm a huge Joe Hill fan. Every time Joe Hill comes out with a new book, I pre-order it and make sure. So there's a copy behind the counter with my name on it. (laughs) And, you know, and also it's sort of like the library. Maybe if they weren't going to stock that book, they're going to at least order it so that 
author is going to get a pre-order. It's going to get a sale. And maybe that bookstore will think about carrying that book. I just have this vision of, of you and someone reaching for the same copy of like of the newest Joe And I karate chop them in the <laughs> neck. <laughs> and it's this slow motion of you freaking out. It sounds, sounds amazing. That's when I immediately spit onto the book so they can't get it. <laughs> All right. What's our fourth tip? So fourth tip, and something that I've actually done recently, I'm, I've been doing this for about four months, and I love it. It's the Book of the Month Club, which has been going on for basically ever. Oh, I just I had into no this. idea. Like like a hundred years. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but it is. I think it's a great deal. And also caveat: they are not sponsoring this. This is. I'm just. A, but they could, guys. They could. Hey, just what? saying. Yeah. Uh, so I love Book of the Month Club. It's ten. It's nine ninety nine a month, and you get uh, a brand new hardcover, and they have a whole. And you know, it's between like four, six, seven, sometimes eight or nine different selections that are chosen by the Book of the Month judges every month. So you've got pretty good selection. There's always a thriller. There's always a nonfiction. There's always you know a literary fiction. There's a, a bunch of different kinds of books. So if you are on a budget, you don't have a lot of money to spend on books every month, but you do want a new hardcover. You do want to participate. Because all the books that are being chosen by Book of the Month are like some of the big, buzzy books, which is uh, very hard to say. <laughs> big, buzzy Biz- books. Big, buzzy books. I was just thinking, wouldn't it be amazing to be a judge for the Book of the Month Club? My friend Li- Liberty Hardy, she's a judge, and she always picks great books. How do you, yeah, how do you get that job, man? What a what a sweet gig. Book of the Month, get a, get on us. We'd be great judges. Uh, but it's, you know, it's a really good compromise. So it's, you know, sometimes a half or a third or, some, you know. Some... Well, $10 a month is actually, I mean, come on. That's like two two fancy coffees. Yeah. Or in Los Angeles, one coffee. Yep. Give us your thoughts on New Release Day by emailing them to us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. So speaking of new releases, we got to talk to author Nick White, who yeah. wrote the new book, How to Survive Your Summer. Uh, and we got to talk to him all about his reading habits. But before we hear from him, we're going to take a quick break. I'm Allegra Ringo. And I'm Renee Colbert. And we host a podcast called Can I Pet Your Dog? Renee, can I tell you about a dog I met this week? Uh, I wish that you would. In turn, though, can I tell you about a dog hero? May I tell you about a dog breed in a segment I like to call Mutt Minute? (laughs) I would love that. Could we maybe talk about some dog tech? Could we have some cool guests on, like Lin-Manuel Miranda, Nicole Byer, and Ann Wheaton? I mean... Yeah, absolutely. I'm in. You're on board. What do you say we uh, we do all of this and put it into a podcast? Yeah, okay. You think? <laughs> all right. Uh, should we call it like I don't know? Can I pet your dog? Sure. All right. Uh, what do you What do you say we put it on every Tuesday on Maximum Fun or on iTunes? Sounds the- good to me. <laughs> Meeting's over. So we are here with author Nick White, writer of the debut novel, How to Survive a Summer. Yay. Hey, Nick. How's it going? Good, good. It's so nice to talk with both of you. Nice to be Skyping with you. Yes, we're so excited to have you on. Both me and Bria loved your book. We did. We absolutely loved it. We kept texting each other about it because we were reading it around the same time. Yes. (laughs) Oh, that's so nice. That's so nice. Do you want to give a little synopsis? Well, it sort of hinges around a summer that the narrator spent at a conversion camp in Mississippi. And it kind of, the novel sort of deals with the after effects of that and him dealing with the trauma and sort of going back and confronting that and um, memories of that resurfacing. Um, There's also... uh, a scary movie that's based on his experiences there that has been released that is sort of like the triggering 
event that sends him uh, home to Mississippi. Um, so it's it's like a queer mashup of a camp novel slash road trip slash love story slash uh, great summer read. <laughs> that actually that was a good that was that that's a really good mashup. I love the setting for the novel. I mean, I'm from the East Coast, so this is very. It's exotic for me is to go down south. Um, so um, we've but, got some questions about growing up in Mississippi. So what books were you reading when you were a kid? Um, I was a huge Goosebumps fan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> R.L. Stein was totally my jam. Heck um, yeah. Not only I got into the Goosebumps first, and um, then I sort of read all his books, like the Fear Street nice. saga. Um, all of that. And then, um, when he like wrote like one adult book, uh, that I remember, and I can't Red remember the Rain. title. I think it's, I think it's like called suspicion or superstition or something. It has a black cat on the cover. Anyway, <laughs> I, the, the library, the librarian that, um, I went to in the small town of West, she like gave me that book to read cause she knew I was an RL Stein fan and I was sort of 10 that book was not appropriate for a 10-year-old. <laughs> Arl Stein had taken, had taken um, sort of the plunge into like a very adult territory. I just remember there being like very violent graphic sex scenes. Oh, wow. And, oh my God. And, like, That's very jarring from Arl Stein. queer self was just both outraged and fascinated <laughs> and delighted. That's amazing. Were you a big library user as a kid? I was, and I even worked at one for five years <gasps> when I was in college. Oh, yeah. I worked at one, one in high school. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was the Mid-Mississippi Regional Library. Amazing. I was a page. <laughs> and, <laughs> and what uh, is the page's job at a library? It's uh, you shelve books. You help uh, the LOLs when they come in. Those are our best customers. It's the acronym for Little Old Ladies. Oh, yes, nice. of course. We used that, too. That's so I know. I forgot about that till just now. <laughs> you just said that. That's, That's amazing. amazing. The LOLs, yeah, and they're the ones that really, they keep the library going. Listen, they were, they would come in with their bags of books, and they would, with their list of the new books that they wanted, they were very dedicated readers. They knew the types of books that they liked, and because I worked in a very small community, I got to know them. And, you know, sort of like, oh, Miss Mary Lee likes these books. So she would probably like this one that would come in. And you would develop these relationships. Oh, that's so awesome. So do you still use the library? Are you still a big library user? Or how do you get your books? I do. I um, Well, I I sort of go between using the library and um, there's a couple. I'm originally I live in Ohio now where I teach. And there's two bookstores that I really like um, there. One called the Book Loft. And then another one that just opened up called Gramercy, which is sort of like in the Bexley area, which is kind of like a suburb of Columbus. Anyway, both of those bookstores are really cool, and they both get different kinds of books. Like I would say the Bookloft has a lot of – they have used books there too, and so they have a nice backlist. And then Gramercy always has like the new releases and for like literary fiction, but also pop fiction and stuff like that. So yeah. Cool. Awesome. So do you still read horror? I do. I do. Um, I I just read, what was the last? I just read um, Ira Levine's 
the Stepford Wives. I had, I oh, read. Um, I love I read, that book. I know. Oh my god. Oh my it's god, so, it's so good. <laughs> well, I read Rosemary's Baby a long time ago, and then A Kiss Before Dying. And I, I'd never read the Stepford Wives, but um, so I've sort chilling. of been going ever since The Handmaid's Tale and going back to that. I've been on this like feminist kick and and stuff and this so is just I went, the best interview ever it's like a white hot center of me and bria's wheelhouse <laughs> and like it is so good the most chilling I, I i don't know if this is a spoiler or not but it's the most chilling part of that book is when the men are gathered and the the protagonist i can't remember her name asks the men like what their jobs are and one of the men says that he works for dis he worked for disney world <laughs> and the animatronics and like it's and then, something about the yeah. way that is like positioned yes, in the I book know exactly just, what you're talking about and you have that horrifying realization and you're like just oh. Just <laughs> oh it's so yeah. good oh my gosh i love those books oh that's so exciting so um, yeah. you've been writing this book for a while and you're taking it out. Are you getting weird questions like as a writer or people asking you bizarro questions about your book? You know, not weird, but um, I did have one question. Someone asked me because the book deals a lot with religion. And at one point, the narrator has a semi crush on a picture of John the Baptist. Um, <laughs> that was you, a great scene. Yeah, it's great. If you if you ever seen pictures of John the Baptist, he's this very rugged man. With those, th- and, I remember the description uh, of the, his thighs in the water. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of sort of like very sort of like sexual overtones to parts of the Christian faith, anyway, but. But so I had like a question asked me when I was growing up, did I ever have a crush on Jesus? That's and, hilarious. Uh, I was like, I was a Baptist. We all had crushes on Jesus. <laughs> that that That's was the amazing. thing. But no, but, and so I sort of, I sort of sidestepped the question and said, I didn't really, when I read the Bible, Jesus as a character never really interested me as much as some of the other characters that had bigger flaws. Like Jesus is sort of like Superman, right? Like he, mm-hmm. he, kind of has no flaws. He tells great parables, but he's, he, he's not really like conflicted that much. And, but Moses, now there was a man, the character that like, I really sort of was interested in and got behind, like, you know, he, he was flawed. He had pride. He had a he great, yeah. And he had a great, like, yeah, he parted the seas, but he also had a great catchphrase. He let my people go. Yeah. yeah, he said, so his catchphrase was let my people go. And I w- remember reading the end of his story where, I think it's in Exodus, but like he can't go into Canaan, right? He's not allowed. He's, he's led his people to this place. And then because of like a screw up, he just can't go in. And I just remember being very sort of like moved by that and just feeling really sorry for him. And also every Easter we would watch the Ten Commandments because it used to coincide with Passover. Oh, totally. And I had a huge crush on Charlton Heston. <laughs> Just a huge. Speaking of rugged men. <laughs> I know. And Anne Baxter in that movie is just amazing. Yeah, it just, is incredible. Yeah. Rad. Yeah. Um, so we have one more question and um, that we like to ask people, which is, what is your most gifted book? What book do you give people the most? You know, it's changed, actually. I, when, when I was younger, I gave and recommended um, a separate piece by John Knowles a oh, lot. Oh, great book. 
I know. And like in high school, I felt like my class was divided where students, my classmates either, either loved Catcher in the Rye or you loved a separate piece. And, <laughs> Interesting. And, and I was, I, I loved a separate piece. I realize now the reason probably why I liked it is because of the sort of very, um, it's queer relationship between the two characters. It's, mm-hmm. it's never really sort of made explicit, but it's definitely there. Oh, it's, it's kind of like gentle there. love. Yeah, yeah. And, and I love that. And um, so I recommended that for a long time. Recently, though, I have been giving people and recommending that people read um, fellow Mississippian Angie Thomas's book, The Hate You Give. Ah. I just read that. It was so good. So good. It's um it's a it's a young adult novel and it is um it sort of takes on uh the the Black Lives Matter movement. It's about police violence, but it, it's told um through this wonderful first person narrator and I I've, I've given like family members this book to read um back in Mississippi just because I think not only is it an important book, but it's just it's just a great, well told story and i just love her i i think like she makes me so proud to like be from mississippi and be a writer from there anyway congratulations on the book we loved reading it yes we super recommend it yeah both brie and i totally for listeners please get this book we really really enjoyed it so much and thanks for talking to us thank you so much now it's time for us to solve a bookish problem sent in by one of our listeners This was very exciting. We asked you guys for bookish problems, and now we have so many. But please keep sending them to us through our Twitter at ReadingGPodcast on Twitter. It's been very exciting to hear from all of you, even before our podcast started. So we want to thank you for sending those in. Yeah, you guys are great. We're super excited to help you out with all your bookish problems. We relate to a lot of them, so we've got a lot of great advice to help you guys help your reader lives. So this one's from Els F. And she says, I have so many new books, but keep rereading books I loved at 15 and find them disappointing now. How do I motivate myself to read some new books? Bria, what advice do you have for her? I love this problem because I feel like this is a common problem. So my advice to uh, to L's underscore F is I'm... Find what those authors that you read at 15 are doing now. Now, I don't know how old you are. Maybe you're 70 and this is not going to work. But if this, if you are close to my age or younger or even a little older, that was 20 or so years ago for me. And a lot of those authors are still writing, right? So, I mean, I actually read uh, – I believe I read Handmaid's Tale around that. They would have been in high school. So, oh, yeah. like, Margaret Atwood, I just read her new book. And it was amazing. Uh, the Heart – Oh, The Heart Goes Last. Thank you. The Heart Goes Last. I was going to look it up, but you totally knew it. The Heart Goes Last. So a lot of these – the great thing about being a writer and an author is that it's not like running track. You you can continue to do it into your older years. And so if someone was writing mm-hmm. things you really liked when you were younger, they're probably still writing books. Oh, totally. I mean, if, if they were not, you know, depending on their age and obviously their age limitations, you – if they're dead, they're not writing books. Unless Ooh, you're J.R. But what if they weren't? Uh, but unless you're J.R. Some, a lot of authors release, uh, get stuff released. There was a new Shirley Jackson collection that came out a couple of years ago, let me tell you. Shirley Jackson's one of my favorite authors, but she's obviously not around anymore. Yeah. So there are definitely writers that are still writing now. Or 
another bit of advice with someone who is maybe sort of like that one. Like, for example, if you read a lot of Stephen King as at the age 15. As why, many of us did. Why not and check still out do. Joe Hill, who is his son, and writing things that are also amazing. And I sort Seconded. of... Seconded. Yeah. Like, Stephen King, I felt, was very of his generation. I feel like Joe Hill is very of the generation now. Very current. What's your advice, Mallory? So my advice... I, I have twofold advice. Well, my first, my first bit of advice is sometimes... It's best if you're like having a hard time getting into other books, mimic your reading habits that you did when you were a teenager. Oh, like what like do you if mean? you were like you go would climb be, into your treehouse, or like if you eat a certain snack or you would do like a certain <laughs> thing. Sometimes you can mimic that comfort reading with a new book. You know, I know when I was a kid, I, I read a lot of books on my front porch with some lemonade. Maybe sit up, do the same thing, and it'll it'll be like like um. It's like a muscle memory. Yeah, it will awaken those sense memories. And it'll it'll impart that sort of sense of comfort. Because obviously, when you were reading these books as a teenager, you enjoyed it. It was a comfort to you. If you can bring some of that comfort feeling to a new book, it might make you want to read it. Uh, And my other piece of advice is something that I did to get myself out of that that, book zone when I was 15 is I realized that I needed to build my wheelhouse. I needed to figure out what I liked. So what I did and what I've re- I I still do now is I have a I I looked at all my favorite books that I read and I loved and found, find the things that they have in common. I realized that my Mal- in the Mallory wheelhouse is haunted houses, <laughs> werewolves, <laughs> carnivals and circuses and giant bear characters, preferably ones that talk. Wow. How many giant bear character books are you finding? I, I mean, mean, Hobbit. Okay. I mean, I just read Born. Born. Giant bear. He Born doesn't talk, but no. or well, Mord doesn't talk in Born. Right. Um, uh, oh, my favorite one, Iorik Burnison from the Golden Compass series. Oh, sure, it's my a giant favorite bear. character all right, of all, all time. Right, I, hear you. Game I, hear of you. I mean, the Game of Thrones. You know, the Mormons from the Game of Thrones aren't <laughs> actual bears, but they're bear-like. 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 Okay. All right. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. So you I'm find really into bear these characters. things that you realize are, are threads through all of your favorite books. And you're like, I love haunted house books. What new haunted house books are there? Exactly. So you can go into a new book, even if you're – so you don't know the author. You've never read a, uh, a book by them before. You might be a little hesitant. But if you know that there's something in there that you've liked before, it might, it'll – you know, make you much more likely to enjoy that book. So haunted house books, werewolf books. I will read any werewolf book, and eighty <laughs> percent of the time, I'll say that I will really enjoy it. There's some werewolf books out there, not great, but there are some werewolf books out there that are totally amazing. Same with carny books. Same with haunted house books. Sometimes you combine them. Neil Gaiman wrote a um, short story about a werewolf that is in a Lovecraftian town. <laughs> which is just like the hot white center of my wheelhouse of, of, of my wheelhouse. So just you know, fa- you know, maybe even if you need to like get out a piece of paper and write all of this stuff down, sometimes just seeing it on paper would be like, oh, this is the things that I love. You can type that into the library search terms. You really could. Also, I want you to write this down on a piece of paper and send it to us because I feel like we get a deep look into your soul. Oh where my it gosh! Says werewolf circus Where- and giant bear. Whatever yours is. Oh my god! I can make so- a. I could write a book about a circus that is just werewolves and giant bears. <laughs> the werewolves run it, and then. The giant bears are the are performing, yes. or vice versa. Oh my god! Uh, anyway, I, I like to. If you make this list, uh, please. Listener, I will make any this listeners. List. This is a great we will idea. Totally repost this on our Instagram because it sounds please amazing. Write out your wheelhouses. We will share. We will retweet and repost them on Instagram. I will start with mine totally because I think this is a great idea. So yeah, so, so send those to us, and when you if you if you make this list uh, at uh, Reading Glasses Podcast on Instagram, give us a tag hashtag Reading Glasses, and we'll we'll repost it. 
If you have questions for us or want to send us your bookish problems, please tweet us at Reading G Podcast or write us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. We're going to leave you with this week's book connection, a way to connect with other readers online using a hashtag specific to this episode. Tweet us some new releases that you're excited about or Instagram a picture of yourself with it using the hashtag brand new books. Hashtag brand new books. Bam. And you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag reading glasses. So thanks for listening. And thanks, thanks for, for reading. reading. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.